Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Associate Editor with Information Security Media Group. I have the pleasure of speaking with Rob Masson, CEO at the DPO Center. We will be talking about how the role of DPO has evolved and what challenges is he seeing organizations struggling with when it comes to meeting the requirements of GDPR. Thanks, Rob, for joining the ISMG discussion. My pleasure. So, Rob, what has been your learning in the past one year? How has the role of a DPO evolved over the past one year? Uh, sure. So, I mean, the role of DPO in the UK has been around for quite some time, but certainly GDPR has, in effect, upgraded that requirement so that the need for an organisation to appoint a DPO has grown based upon the either the type of data that they're processing uh, or the type of organisation they are. And that's been expanded. So, a very large number of organizations that previously didn't need to now do need to appoint a DPO. So the issue is in a lot of cases is, you know, who is the most appropriate person to be that DPO? And that, and that's kind of one of the first questions that uh, organizations have to face because there's some reasonably strict uh, requirements as to who can be that DPO. And so they're making a decision as to whether they can appoint somebody internally, whether they need to recruit uh, someone, find a contractor, uh, or outsource it. But in terms of how that role has uh, come into place and how it's evolved, we've seen a great deal of change, actually, even in the last two years since GDPR. And we're seeing kind of, in a way, four steps in that evolution. And in the very early days, when we were first kind of talking to organisations about compliance with the GDPR, our role was all about being the translator. So it's, it's kind of interpreting the regulations and explaining to organisations what it's all about. Because a lot of organizations fell into this requirement of what well, first of all needing to comply and be accountable but potentially even appointing a, a dpo and so it's it was all about interpreting what the regulation is and uh, what it means for that organization and can they just ignore it no you can't and, and you know what steps do they need to take so that was kind of the translator side so translating the requirements of the regulations into what that means the next phase as we get closer to may 25th we were seeing the requirement for the kind of policeman or policewoman role where you know what can they no longer do you know what have you got to stop doing now so it's the, the typical kind of compliance officer role you know and it's it's what data can we not use anymore can we still use and, and you know, do we need consent for that what steps must we take and what do we have to do differently and it's the the, the true kind of compliance role that you know in a way is the one that uh, organizations don't like because it kind of gets in the way of their you know, commercial requirements in a lot of cases but it's that role that became a requirement you know as a result of, of GDPR as we get past May 25th we get into the phase of what we call the change agent. So this is where you know, someone is being responsible for effecting the necessary change of processes and procedures, but also culture uh, within an organization because data protection now needs to be baked into the culture of an organization. And then the fourth uh, kind of future role as we see it um, is uh, the data protection officer being uh, much more of a strategist, much more being aware of and preparing the organization for future change. Obviously there's a huge amount of data protection regulation coming in around the world. We've, in, in Europe, we've, we've got the likes of the privacy regulation coming along, obviously Brexit getting thrown into the mix. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on that the DPO needs to be very much aware of and is in advising the organisation from a strategic perspective as to how they need to position themselves and what, what changes they need to put in place now 
in order to take the, the greatest advantage of the new environments that are going to be coming along. And, and, and that's where a DPO can be extremely valuable. They're not just there to be that policeman role, that, that kind of compliance officer. They should and must be there. They're going to be an integral and valuable member of, a, of an organization's team. Then they must be there in order to be, be able to be strategic in their view. So you know, very early on, it was all about uh, understanding that data. Now the focus is very much on how we can adapt the organization going forward. So Rob, you in the past one year must have dealt with companies struggling to meet GDPR requirements. What are some common challenges that you have seen the companies dealing with? Sure. I think you know, data protection in general and, and compliance with the likes of the GDPR is, is not dissimilar across organizations. Yes, obviously every organization has its uh, individual requirements, but generally speaking, you know, there is a requirement to understand your data, to, uh, to put in place appropriate compliance frameworks, provide the necessary training and, and so on. So, but it's, it's all about the accountability requirement. So GDPR has six principles, basic principles, plus accountability. Maybe. Accountability is probably the biggest change from our previous data protection requirements to the, the new ones under GDPR. And so it's this requirement to be able to demonstrate that you have taken the necessary steps. You can't, as an organization in the previous regime, it could be argued that you could do as little as possible. Uh, when you have a problem, you can put your hands up and say, oops, really sorry, didn't mean for that to happen. We're going to do this from now on. Whereas under the GDPR requirements, you can't do that because you have to be accountable. I mean, if I, if I were to give an example, something like a further education college. Now, a further education college is actually quite a reasonably sized businesses. They, they're about 750 employees, but they're dealing with anything up to 12, 12,500 learners at any one time. So there's a lot of data you know, that they are collecting. And what's kind of typical of them compared to lots of other organizations is they have decades of data. So they've got data on, on learners going back you know, 20, 25 years. And a lot of that, that all has to be managed. It's all in different systems. They're all unintegrated. Uh, some of the legacy, some of them are not used anymore and archived and, and, and so on. So that across an organization with that, of that kind of size, you end up with a you know, myriad of, of systems that don't talk to each other. And therefore, you've got multiple copies of data you know, and uh, you've got a lot of individual people processing that data and storing it and, and, and amending it uh, in the ways that kind of they see fit that is appropriate to their function or their particular department. So understanding that data is the challenge. And whenever we're engaging with an organization, you know, one of the first steps it, um, is always to understand the data, to map the data out, to create what we call an information asset register. And, and so it's really, you look at the organization uh, kind of department by department, you're looking at the software and the systems that, and the paper-based systems that those departments are using. Uh, and you're gathering together just a simple list of all the places in which data can reside within that organization. And then you need to map it in terms of who has access to it, who do you share it with, how long do you keep it, you know, who's responsible for it, and so on. So there's a, there's a whole kind of mapping process going on to, to gain a, a greater level of understanding. And then you understand who you're sharing the data with by, by, by producing that map. You understand whether you're transferring data to other people or whether third parties have access to it and, and so on and so forth. And there is a process you need to go through with each one of those data processes to make sure that you have understood what data you're transferring to them, but also what they're going to do with it, how they're going to process it, how long they're going to keep it, how they're going to secure it, and so on. And you have to put in place things like um, data processing uh, agreements. So there's you know a very large amount body of work that needs to be doing upfront. But this is all on the data side. Obviously, compliance is about 
people. It's about people policy and process. But you know, people are at the heart of everything that uh, these that the organisations do, and therefore, you know, the, the training and the awareness and the culture is such an important part of any kind of uh, compliance expert. So, given the challenge that you just spoke about, how, where does a DPO fit in here? How were they able to solve these issues and challenges? But the first thing to understand is that data protection compliance is not a linear process. It's not something. It's not a project that you get some budget for or put a resource team in place for and then you launch off on an exercise and tick a box and go great there your job is done um it's a cyclical process it's something you need to be following on an ongoing basis and, and that's why the dpo role is, is something that they need to be an integral part of your organization's structure and the way that it communicates internally and, and constantly positively influencing that culture. Discover, plan, comply and review. So it's kind of a constantly revolving uh, process of discovering and understanding data, planning exactly what, what that means in terms of the organization. So putting together all of those uh, documents in terms of information asset registers and your records of processing activities and obviously all your policies and, and so on. The comply element is the framework. So it's this is where you're actually putting in place you know, the, the organization and technical measures that are going to be required in order to maintain and monitor your compliance basis. And then it's the, the review element. You know, So it's constantly looking at, is it working? So we put these things in place. Are they being used? Are they being kind of exercised in terms of things like retention policies and things like that? And you know, and are new staff being trained? And is the organization demonstrating that it's taking positive steps towards compliance? And so, but of course, you know, then we get a new project comes along, a new system gets put in place, and new employees uh, come on board, and therefore we go back to the discover process. And so discover, plan, comply, review kind of starts again. And so it's this kind of constant revolution in terms of the steps being taken, you know, in order to just keep the organization where it needs to be, but also guide it in the direction that's required in order to ensure it's aware and is able to comply with upcoming re uh, regulations. So Rob, as privacy gets spoken more and more with more emphasis being given to privacy, what are some new challenges that you anticipate? Well, for us in the UK, of course, we have this joyous exercise called Brexit. And that, I think, is occupying a lot of people's minds in terms of uh, you know what should happen. We've got some very specific issues in the UK when transferring data well, back from Europe, which obviously a lot of organisations are very aware of at the moment and are requiring guidance in those respects. But it's not just GDPR. I mean, I, you know, for, for our clients that um, operate internationally, you know, international data transfers and therefore legislation from around the world, you know, obviously things like California Consumer Privacy Act and the new New York Privacy Bill, LGPD in Brazil, so you've got new legislation coming along in India, you know, so it's about how it's understanding and, and how to comply, not just with your local requirements, but also the global requirements. And so, you know, the data protection officer's knowledge base needs to be so much wider outside of just GDPR in the EU and needs to be acutely aware of what's going on globally, especially where it affects the data. But of course, you don't understand that until you understand your the data map is the one that's going to enable you to understand uh, what other legislation uh, you need to be taking account of global basis. Uh, more locally, uh, our regulator called the Information Commission's Office, the ICO, is certainly becoming or putting organisations under greater scrutiny. The rhetoric coming out of the ICO has markedly changed in the last month or two. And, and therefore, you know, the, the, the message they're sending, and I think this is the case across all regulators across Europe, you know, the honeymoon period is over you know your your opportunity and time period and chance to comply you know is is over you now need to be able to demonstrate that accountability and so that's on the regulatory side but we also have on the data usage side as well i mean obviously the likes of artificial intelligence and machine learning is starting to 
be brought into organizations on a, on a normal basis, a normal business as usual basis, because it's you know, going to be a, a, a massive differentiator and disruptor in the marketplace in terms of how those organizations are able to react to market conditions. But of course, the regulatory environment around AI is very new um, and uh, the data protection issues uh, are relatively unknown. And therefore, you know, any of our, our clients that are involved in developing or using AI models and machine learning processes. And of course, we've got a big change coming in the ad tech industry. Our regulators are looking very closely at things like real-time bidding systems work. Now, these issues affect the real-time bidding organizations, obviously, directly. But of course, it potentially affects every marketing department in any kind of commercial organization, especially that are using these facilities and, and what the implications will be in terms of the way that they gain consent via their uh, their websites and uh, you know whether whether the marketing department is going uh, the budget being spent is going to be as effective going forward. So those, those are kind of you know some of um, uh, uh, you know the issues uh, that you know we we're seeing questions coming back to our advice and support line and through our DPOs uh, on a daily basis. Okay, thanks a lot, Rob, for sharing your thoughts on challenges of DPO and how the role has evolved. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You were listening to Rob Masson for ISMG Nisha. This is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening.